You're going to see them come right up here. First of all, they're going bowling tomorrow, right? Yeah, maybe I should tell my own children to go bowling tomorrow at 5 p.m. So, yeah, we're doing that 5 o'clock to 6.15 at Panorama. Everybody knows where Panorama is, uh, right at Gandhi and Del Mabry. That's a great thing. Make sure you're there. Uh, and then they're doing a second one that for everybody next Sunday, August 14th, 5 o'clock at the end of Davis Island. Who doesn't like to go to the end of Davis Island? There's a beach there. You get to watch the planes and you get to do all the stuff. Um, and Seaplane Basin Park there is awesome. So uh, thank you so much to the Lee family who's hosting us. If there's questions, you can text Jane Greaves about those. Uh, also, if you're new with us or you've changed your information in some way, we have a Connect card for you. You can use the, the QR code up on the screen. Just use your phone's picture and, or uh, photo app, and you can take a picture of it. It'll bring up the information. If you've moved, you got a new phone number, uh, or you're just brand new with us and you would like us to know something about you, we promise not to blow up your inbox. We just want to find great ways to serve the people who choose to invest in this place and want to get involved. So um, those are our, our big announcements. But I also get to spend just a second and thank you for your remarkable generosity as a family. Yeah, this particular week is our last week that we're doing our big push here for N68. You should see a slide up on the screen. Um, your generosity helps fill the gap in those 68 hours between when kids leave school on Friday and they go back on Monday. You'll see a list of items that we definitely need. They're important for these kids to get through that window because as we know, Nobody wants to fill up their brain when they haven't filled up their tummy first, right? And so your generosity, your willingness to partner with us makes real differences in the lives, not just of people right here in this place, but all across Hillsborough County. And so we just, one, say thank you for what you've already done, but also ask that if you haven't participated, that you would consider doing that. There's five ways for you to participate. Um, we have the generosity box. Um, you can still give online. You can text to give, which is awesome. Uh, you can go through the Alexio app if you have that. And I've been told snail mail is still a thing. So if you like to write checks on paper and put them in the mail with a stamp, we do receive those. There is a mailbox outside. So I know a lot of people don't do that a lot, but hey, we'd be excited to get some mail. If you want to do it that way, you go ahead. But uh, thank you so much. And I just ask that uh, you'd pray with me as we bless the gifts that you would give. God, thanks so much for the way that you spur in us a desire to be generous that you find a way to, to kind of pull at our heartstrings and say, hey, I want this of you. Above your, your tithe and your offering, God, you, you say, you know what? There are people in need. There are ways that we can be the answer to somebody's prayer. God, thank you for this church's generosity. Thank you for this family's way of giving. I just look forward to seeing what you do as you multiply our gifts. It's in your name we pray. Till I 
This morning, our sermon series begins Made for Monday, and it's hard not to think about the Sunday scaries that so many of us experience when a new week starts. For those that do not know, the Sunday scaries are, is that sense of anxiety that comes um, when you are starting a new work week. And for so many of us, it's not always our occupation that can be a source of anxiety and stress. Sometimes it can be the responsibility that's been placed on us. Sometimes it can be the relationships that we have to interact with on a weekly basis. And sometimes it's a season of change that we have to endure. Maybe there's someone that was in our life that no longer is, and every time a, week, a new week starts, it's a reminder they're not there. Or for many of us that have children, it's starting a new school, school year, but I take comfort in 1 Peter 5, 7 that says to cast all your cares, that includes all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concern, once and for all on him. For he cares about, about you with the deepest affection and watches over you carefully. And as we just sang in goodness of God, all our lives the Lord has been faithful, whether we are aware of it or not. He walks with us through the fire, and there is none that is, he's closer than no other. He is always there. The thing is that sometimes we are just not aware. We are sometimes distracted. But the Lord is working. He is here. And we're going to take this time as we continue to worship to align our ears, our hearts, our eyes on him and ask him to lead us in the way that we should go. And we continue to put our faith in him this morning as we sing. When 
thing on. Uh, my name is McLean Murphy, for those of you who don't know me. And maybe you're like, what are Bryce and McLean doing up here? Where are Fitz and Kathy? They are in Greece performing a wedding. Uh, and so it's my great honor and privilege to be the person to give the message this morning. So as you already got a little hint from the bumper video and from my shirt, we are starting a new sermon series. It is not called Stay Calm and Pretend It's Not Monday. It is called Made for Monday. That's right, we are going to be talking about work this morning. The Sunday scaries, as Adam said. How does that make you feel? You can hold on that slide, Eric, and just go back, thank you. Um, so jobs, as we know, come in all shapes and sizes. For some of us, we receive a paycheck for what we do, and for others, we don't. I have two jobs. I have a part-time job here at the church. I work 15 hours a week, and I receive a paycheck for it. Then I have a full-time job, and that is as a mom and a wife and a homemaker, and I don't know who has lost my address, but I have not received a paycheck for it yet. So with our jobs, a lot of times there are things that can be perhaps a little overwhelming, makes Monday a little bit overwhelming. Well, when I was promoted in my full-time job from a mother of one to a mother of two, I experienced a really hard Monday. 
See, as a mom, when you've got two, you're ready to conquer the world at some point. You're like, I've got to bust out of this joint. And so I've got my newborn baby and my three-year-old, and it's our first outing, just the three of us. So I said, let's go to Target. So we pull into the parking lot, and if you don't know what an infant car seat looks like, it's like a tank. And so you have to unhook it. I've got the baby, you know, strapped on with the infant car seat. I lug the 20-pound diaper bag on my shoulder because you just don't know what could happen when you're out. And then I've got my three-year-old's hand, and there we go, through the parking lot of Target to get diapers, paper towels, and toilet paper. Glamorous. So we get into Target, and I get the shopping cart, and I put the infant car seat in the base of the shopping cart, and that's it. Took up all the room. No room for anything else. So I'm like, okay, how am I supposed to get the thing? So I say, I'll get a second shopping cart. So I'm pushing the one with the car seat, and I'm pulling the other one for the items, and there's my three-year-old just running about. So I get him, and I put him, and he's excited to be facing backwards, and off we go for diapers, paper towels, and toilet paper. I'm pretty sure I cried in the store as I was doing this, and when I get up to the checkout line, this woman looks at me, and she said, oh, haven't you heard of Amazon Prime? <laughs> See, we all have these moments in our jobs or our vocations or our callings that in the moment make us feel maybe a little bit miserable. But the thing is, is that this morning we're going to be talking about work in all shapes and sizes. So why am I including motherhood and in work? You can throw up that definition now, Eric. Here's what work is. To engage in an activity to exert effort to achieve a purpose, to care for one's responsibilities, or to undertake a task. Some of you are caring for an aging parent. Some of you are a student. Some of you are a teacher. Some of you are a husband or a mom. Really, it looks different for everybody. Some of you really hate your job. Like right now, you've got those Sunday scaries. Last week, I was talking to some friends on the sidewalk, and they said they used to call it the Sunday blues, knowing that Monday morning was coming. Some of us maybe have a job that gives us life, though. Like you look forward to Monday. You love what you get to do. But what the research says is that most of us dread Mondays. Did you know that 50% of employees are late to work on Mondays? Productivity is at its lowest on Monday mornings. And y'all, this is a fact. Most people don't smile until noon on Mondays. We hate Mondays. But here's the question that we're going to be looking at over the next four weeks. What if we were actually made for Monday? To, to look at that, I want to look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, the first few lines of the Bible, the first few words. It says, in the beginning, God created the first thing God does right out of the gate at the beginning of creation is God gets to work. And we find in Genesis chapters 1 and 2, the whole creation story, he's an astronomer, he's a zoologist, he's a doctor, an interior designer. He does it all, and he does it all with excellence. You see, God didn't need to create. God chose to create, and God chose to create his people as an expression of his love. But what if we, what if God worked the way that we worked? I think scripture would maybe read a little something like this. Genesis 1, 1. In the beginning, on Monday morning, God woke up at 8 a.m. Jesus and the Holy Spirit knew not to talk to him until he had a cup of coffee in his hand. 
God was a little late getting into work on Monday, but he sent in an email request to separate light from darkness. And as he waited for the approval, he scrolled through his Twitter feed. Now come Thursday, when it was time to make the animals, he was just plumb tired of no one noticing all of his hard work. So he said, I'm just going to do the minimal effort. I'll make one bird, a pigeon. I'll make one fish, a carp. I'll make one animal, a cat. No, that's not what God did. He pushed and he stretched and he experimented and he laid it all out on the line so at the end of every single day, he could look at his work and say what? It is good. Can you and I, at the end of every single work day, at the end of every single day, look at what we've done and say it is good? Well, there's a reason why this matters. It's because of day six of creation. See, day six was the culminating moment when God made his finest creation. It's when God made you and me. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. Can you believe it? You and I, we are made in God's image. We are reflections of his glory. And because of that, our drive, our zeal, our reasoning, our speech, it's all because we're made in God's image. Our character, our ability to love and forgive, to show kindness, it's because we're made in God's image. The relational capacity that we had, it's because God is a relational God. Look at this verse. Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. It's a plural sentence. From the beginning, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit in relationship with each other. So he made us relational. But here's something else. Here's something that I don't think we often think about what it means to be made in God's image. Something really fundamental. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15 the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to, to what? To kick back, relax, enjoy the view, right? It's paradise. Is that what the verse says? Is that what the verse says? <laughs> yeah, there it is, right? They're in paradise. I think maybe God had some system where the animals were bringing some pina coladas for Adam and Eve. They're by the waterfall, yeah? No, no, what does it say? The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to, to work it and take care of it. That is what the Lord did. That was the definition he gave to them, the job description he gave to them. And that brings us to point number one. To be made in the image of God means that we are made for Monday. We are made for work. Maybe you thought that work didn't enter the picture until Genesis chapter 3. You see, in Genesis chapter 3, everything went south. Adam and Eve rebelled against God. They said, thanks but no thanks, God. I'm going to start living life on my own. I'm going to live to glorify me. I'm going to do what I want. God, I don't actually believe you have my best interest in mind. And the bad news is, is we've been believing that lie ever since. Each one of us has turned our back on God and say, said, thanks for your suggestion, but I'm going to live life my way, God. This yucky problem is called sin. But we don't have to stay stuck in it because there was a rescue plan from the beginning too. You see, God reached down his hand in the person of Jesus. God put skin on and moved into the neighborhood and came to rescue us so that we no longer have to live in the pit of living for ourselves but instead can live in the freedom of living under the umbrella of God's grace. 
So when God created the earth, when God created Adam and Eve, from the very beginning in his perfect place in the Garden of Eden, God always intended for us to work. See, our culture has started to train us to think work is a curse. Or maybe our own experiences have made us think of work as a curse. How often have we heard the expression, how much longer until you get to retire, huh? Or I work because I have to. Or I work to pay the bills. Or I just get through the week so I can really, truly live on the weekends. But here's the radical truth. God designed work as a gift. Because anything that the Lord gives us is always a gift. I want to look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 15 again. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. That word, work, to work, won't fit to be proud. It's not Greek, but it's Hebrew. It's the Hebrew word abad. Abad literally means to work, to do, to accomplish, to achieve. But this is so cool and this is so God. Abad also means to worship. You see, God intended for our work and our worship to be connected. A lot of us just think of worship as this hour, Sunday morning, 60 minutes, I come in, I pray, I sing. But God designed our very lives, the very essence of who we are, to be an act of worship in response to him. So our work can be united with our worship. But maybe you're sitting there thinking, yeah, you don't know what I do. My work is really mundane and boring. I'm not a leader. I don't work for a nonprofit. I'm not in ministry. How could my work be worship? Think of a shoemaker, day in and day out making shoes. Mundane, doing the same thing. Does God love the shoemaker and his work because the shoemaker engraves tiny little crosses on every shoe? No, God loves the shoemaker because God loves a well-made shoe. Think of the janitor sweeping the floors, cleaning the bathrooms. Why does God love the janitor and his work? Is it because the janitor hums hymns while sweeping the floors? No, God loves the janitor because God loves a well-swept floor. Think of the mom changing diapers, wiping goldfish off of sticky hands, making her way through Target. God loves the way that we take care of our responsibilities. He is delighted when we take care of our responsibilities. It's in the everyday, ordinary ways of living out our life that God gets the glory. And I believe the call for each one of us is to begin to see our work, no matter what it is we do, to begin to see our work as holy but if God meant for work to be a gift, then why have all of us experienced that choking pressure that comes with work? Maybe it's an approaching deadline. Maybe it's the threat of being fired. Maybe it's one more lunch you have to pack. I don't know what it is that pushes you over the edge. But we've all experienced that choking pressure. You see, we were never meant to do work in our own strength. God always promised to be the one to do it for us. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 8 through 11. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers over a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. 
Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. I look around this room, and I don't know all of you, but I know a lot of you. And I think about the way that you carry out your responsibilities. And I know that you were made for Monday. See, our work, it almost allows God to be hidden. It's like a mask of God. All we see are human faces carrying out work, these everyday ordinary tasks. But behind the scenes, unbeknownst to us, it is God doing the work and giving his good gifts. As you know, I'm a mom. And my son has both viral and allergy-induced asthma. And last summer, when we were still at the downtown church during VBS, there was a kid coughing in the back of the room. Now, coughs kind of put us on edge now, but do you remember how a cough put people on edge last summer? So there's like one cough and everyone whips around, and it was my son. And it was weird because he wasn't really sick, but it was his asthma acting up. And so he started coughing, and as the weeks passed, he continued coughing, and we just couldn't get it under control. Well, school started back up, and his teachers were sending him home from school because they're like, Matt McLean, he is exhausted, and he can't stop coughing, and he can't get his work done. So we went on this goose chase of trying to figure out how to get his asthma under control. And throughout the fall, he had to go on five preventative medications every single day. And on top of that, he would get pretty much every month an infection, whether it was a sinus infection or an ear infection. So he would have this sixth medicine of an antibiotic. Well, let me tell you about the mask of God, the hiddenness of God. It was in the Publix pharmacist. I was at that counter a lot, and she was so kind to me. She would suggest a schedule, because to space out six strong medicines in a little body is not easy to do, and she would kindly suggest a schedule. Or when I walked up and she knew I was there for another infection and another round of antibiotics, she would give me a smile and she would say, I hope this one does the trick. And then my favorite is there was a couple of times at night when his inhaler had run out and I didn't have any more. And so I would go on the Publix app and I would send the request for the inhaler through the app. And I don't know if she was working on your order or not, but she would stop what she was doing and she would fill my inhaler because she knew I was on my way to get it, to give it to him before he went to bed. I don't even know if she's a believer in Jesus, but she was made for Monday. God made her to mix the medicines and get the correct dosages and have all the information that I needed as a mom to give medicine to my son to make him healthy. See, I think a lot of us think that only the church staff do the holy work, that it's only if you're in ministry that you're actually truly serving God. But see, Martin Luther, a 1500s theologian, threw that out the window when the Protestant Reformation began. He wrote all of these theses, the 95 theses, and one of them is called the Doctrine of Vocation. And Martin Luther said, it is the responsibility and the job and the role of every vocation to love and serve your neighbor. Does that sound familiar? Matthew chapter 22, verse 36. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. See, it is the job of every person, no matter what you do, to love and serve your neighbor. 
When I told you about my full-time job as a mom and um, wife and homemaker, I didn't include the fact that this past year I kind of became a part-time pediatrician managing the asthma. Um, but one thing that we had to start doing is my son in January had to start getting uh, allergy shots or immunotherapy shots. So two mornings a week, I would have to wake up both of my kids at 6 a.m. to get to the allergy appointment where Will would get shots in both arms so that we could make it to school on time. It wasn't fun. It was really hard. Who wants to have their kids get shots? The whole thing was really kind of miserable. But um, there was one morning in particular where we got there and the computers were down, which means they can't pull up his dosage information, which means they can't give him the shots. And so it was just so frustrating that I felt like I had done everything right and we get there and we can't even do it. But here's what happens when we begin to see that our, our work is really to love and serve your neighbor. I knew I was loving and serving my son and my family. But what happens is that we, God creates these holy moments, right? He puts us in front of people and in places at just the right time through our work. And so unbeknownst to me that morning, the Lord was at work. So we leave the allergy shots without allergy shots. And I drop both of my kids off at school early that morning. And I go to Publix early that morning. Everything happened earlier because the shots had been canceled. Well, the day was Friday, February 4th, which should have been the 16th birthday of Taylor Caloris. And for those of you who don't know Taylor, she was in a car accident and was killed at the corner of Beta Bay and Lois back in December. And so I knew it was her birthday, and I'm driving back home, and I find myself at 8.20 a.m. at the corner of Beta Bay and Lois. And I look over, and Taylor's mom, my friend Alexis, is knelt at the memorial, which I'm sure you've all seen. And my heart is just hammering in my chest, and I'm like, should I go to her? What am I supposed to do? And I'm sitting in the left lane, and the traffic's backed up, so it gives me enough time, and I'm like, I'm going to go to her. So I switch lanes, and I pull up, and I park at Beta Bay Hardware. And I'm about to get in my car, but I realize Alexa has already left the memorial, and she's back in her car. And I'm like, this just feels like too private of a moment. I'm, I'm just going to, I missed my chance. So I pull back onto Bay to Bay, and I feel like God's like, nope, you didn't miss your chance. So I do a U-turn on Bay to Bay. I cross all the lanes of traffic, and I pull into the parking lot. And I get out of my car, and I go, and Alexa's sitting in her car, and I knock on her window. And we hugged, and we prayed, and we cried. And I asked her, what was this day like 16 years ago when Taylor came into the world? Y'all, it was holy. But as I drove away, I realized that the allergy shots not been canceled that morning. I would have never been at that place at 8.20 a.m. I would have never had that moment with Alexa. So you don't know what God's doing behind the scenes, y'all. You don't know what person you're going to run into tomorrow morning, Monday morning, in your work, as a mom, as a husband. The Lord might have someone waiting for you who desperately needs the hope of the gospel. And that should get rid of all of our Sunday night blues. So maybe you're ready to turn the corner, right? Maybe you're ready to begin to truly believe that you were made for Monday. But there might still be a gap in your reality. Maybe you're like, yeah, I want this. I want my life and my work and my vocation to matter. But my job is so exhausting. 
the people I work with are so frustrating. I truly can't get there in my mind. And so that brings us to point number three. The Monday gap can be overcome with a new Monday worldview. There's a study taken, and people were given a range to say uh, how much they enjoyed their job. And so for the people who checked the top box, I am the most satisfied with my job. I love what I do. I get full purpose and meaning. Later on in that survey, they had to split what they liked about their job versus what they didn't. They liked 60% of it, and they disliked 40% of it. These are the people who most satisfied with their job. They love what they do. 60% they like, 40% they don't like. This side of heaven and because of sin, there is always going to be a gap in what we do. There's always going to be a hard time. Maybe we look at our job and we think, oh, the grass is greener on the other side, on the other side of the promotion, on the other side of the raise, on the other side of whatever. But the real reason why grass is greener on the other side is because that grass is receiving more water and fertilizer. It's an attitude thing. It's a heart thing. We have the opportunity to change the way we think about our Monday worldview. If we were to change our attitude, if we were to begin to say, I'm going to do this job for Jesus. I'm going to begin to see my work as a bod, work as worship. I am going to choose to love and serve my neighbor. I'm going to pray with intentionality for each person the Lord puts in my path. If we were to begin to live this way, Mondays would change. Our families would change. Our coworkers would change. What if we literally changed the way we even answered the question, what do you do for a living? What if instead of saying, I'm in real estate, we say, I love and serve people in real estate? Or instead of, I'm in sales, I love and serve people in sales. See, what if our job description was to love and serve others, and our work was merely the vehicle that the Lord used to accomplish his purposes? Colossians 3.17 says, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I want to give you all a chance to respond. And so my friends Lynn and Karen are going to pass out a card to everyone and a pen. And as they're coming around passing those out, what I want you to do is there are three points that we talked about this morning around here. I want you to circle the point that you feel like God was hammering in your heart about or the one that you want to work on the most. Circle it. And then there's space for you to write a prayer to God. No one is going to see this but you. This is just between you and God. I want you to fill it out. You could put it in your pocket. And then Adam and the band, they're going to be playing some soft music while you do it. Maybe. I don't really know where they are. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, there we go. Um, and, then, and then as you leave, as you leave this morning, um, if you'll just drop, Lynn and Karen are going to be at the doors. If you'll drop your pen back into the basket, um, but take the card with you. Use this as an opportunity, as an offering back to God. Because the prayer is that we would realize that we are made for Monday.
thank you that you are at work in our lives. Jesus, help us to know that we are made for Monday. Help us to know that, God, you are creating holy moments behind the scenes all the time. The people you put in front of us, the places you send us, the moments that we think our schedule's all out of whack, and in reality, Jesus, we're right on time. So I pray for each man and woman in this room, no matter what it is that they do, that they would believe, God, that work is a gift from you, and that they were, they were made for Monday. Lord, would you use it to change our lives? We give you our hearts, and we give you this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, please stand with me. We're going to sing this final song. Uh, keep your card and turn to your pen on the way out. Thanks.